Hey, this is Nomad, host and creator of the Career Musician Podcast. Why do they call me Nomad? Well, I traveled the globe, spreading the joy of music one song at a time. And now I bring you wisdom, tried and true knowledge, and life experiences of my colleagues and peers in this crazy business we call music. All right, so you're a rock star. You've toured the world with two of your own rock and roll bands. You play guitar, you write music, you compose. Now what? This is the Career Musician Podcast with your host, Nomad. Well, Michael Raphael, our guest today on the Career Musician Podcast, is going to tell you now what. He did just that. He put together two rock and roll bands, Jailhouse and Neve. He toured the world with both bands. He charted with both bands. He still has songs on the charts with both bands. They're still playing his stuff on VH1. Randy Jackson signed him to Columbia Records. Then he goes on to produce Miley Cyrus and a ton of other Disney artists. You name it, this man has done it. He's open for bands like Kiss, Rage Against the Machine, The Black Crows, and many more. So... Now, what does he do? Well, the first thing he did was buy a nice house with a killer studio. Then, with the self-reinvention, he became a full-time composer and producer. With music in well over a thousand TV shows and films, Michael has definitely built himself quite the catalog. I'll let him explain. I'm here with Michael Raphael. Man, so let's start at the beginning, man. I did some research on you with your bands. Oh, yeah, and do you did. pronounce it Neve or Neve or Neve? No, it was Neve. Neve is this. Okay, Neve. the console. Yeah. Just like the, it, it's incredible that we were able to use that name. Yes, I was going to ask you. So but see, you know, it's, it's interesting that, that you bring up Neve because uh, I'm 51 years old now. But see, when I was like 21, uh-huh. I was in the band Jailhouse. Jailhouse, I was going to ask you about yeah, that Yeah, Jailhouse, you know, the guitar player went on to play with Chester Bennington in uh, his side project and, right. and all that. And, and everyone kind of went on. But it's been so long now that, I mean, you know, it's on VH1 Classic and it's all that. But it, it is almost like a different lifetime ago with, with, <laughs> with that stuff. Wow. But, but Neve, and then Neve uh, was signed to Columbia Records uh, through Randy Jackson, but... Uh, when our single was out, he went to American Idol, and we sort of got dropped. And we were on the radio and everything. We were so that's when he first started over there in American Idol. He went Gosh. to American Idol, and but not not to go to you know stop me if sure. I go in too many directions. Sure. But believe it or not, I was supposed to be a judge on American Idol. Oh wow! Yeah, what happened was is I went to Fox, and they said it was like two days before, and they said if we get Ryan Seacrest, you're out. So, so Paula, Paula Abdul was going to be Ryan Seacrest. Oh, wow. It was going to be me, Randy, and Simon. And Paula was going to be the host. Exactly. Look at that. So. That's some uh, cool I, trivia right there. I may have, uh, I may have my own private jet by now, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you still have your own private studio, and that's yeah, what matters. Yeah, that's right. Man. Okay, so what brought you from these band projects to composing i mean i know a, a nice trajectory i'm sure uh, sure yeah many things but well you know. i mean i went from being in bands to never uh i, I was never going to get a job there was one point where my wife told me to start a painting company okay and i said i'll live in a cardboard box before right. i do that 
Yeah, I said, sorry, it's not gonna happen. So then I started getting really aggressive, recording people here. I got some tracks on uh, the Hannah Montana record. I started producing for Disney. I just, and no one really wanted me. I was just so freaking persistent. But let's talk about that, elaborate on that. Yeah, well. What was your method there? Because Oh, my method's different than anybody's methods probably in the business. I mean, for one, uh, I remember I produced a track for Brian Maloof at Disney. He was the head of Walt Disney Records. And I produced a Disney track called Stand Out, which was from the Goofy movie, which was going on Disney Mania 8 or 7 or 8. Yeah. And I just did it. He didn't even ask me. And I got, I got one of the guys from the cast over to my house, kind of like lured him over and just, hey, man, will you sing this for me? Just, you know, he sang it. I worked on it for days. I told Disney, uh, I got this new song for Disney Mania 7. And he goes, who told you to do that? Like, gave me a really big attitude. Right. I said, nobody told me. I just did it. Just took it upon And then I sent it to him without him asking. And he goes, you win. This is amazing. And I got $12,000 for producing one track. Look at that. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's tenacity. But that's also taking initiative into your own hands? You have to. You know? That's what I do today in what I'm doing now. Uh, the truth is, is I don't know if a lot of people work the way I work because nobody has ever asked me for anything. And you can see all these production music records everywhere. I mean, right, right. everything I do gets sold and it's like uh, no one's asked me to do any of it. I just do it. Okay. Well, off the record after this, I'm yeah. kicking your brain on that Because <laughs> yeah. I have so many projects. And, and to be honest with you, I think all you know what I call career musicians can benefit from this uh, MO, if you will. Sometimes it's difficult. You, you, you have the creativity. You, you pour it into a project. And then you don't know what to do with it. Well, no. I was there. Uh, and, uh, you know, do you know Rob Navarro? That, is it related to Dave or no? Rob, no, Rob okay. Navarro is in production music. He actually okay. changed my life, Rob Navarro. The name sounds familiar. Yeah, he, he owns Pop Machine uh, through APM. Oh, APM, okay. Yeah. And he, uh, what happened was, is I went over his house, similar to this, okay. and we started talking, and he told me, he said, you know, your stuff is great, but you're with all the bottom feeder libraries out there. I was with, I don't want to name the names because I don't sure. want to get in trouble, but I was with... Basically, bottom feeder libraries that aren't through APM or Universal. Just, you know, peop, you know, you just, you know, and you get stuff here and there and there. And then... And there's a lot of them. And he kind of told me, without him making a dollar off me, sort of gave me all his secrets. Because we, to this day, we're, we're you know, we're kind of, I, I would like to think we're in the top five of friends. Like... How you say you could count your friends on one hand. Right. I think he's one of those friends. And it's like, uh, so yeah. And then I just started learning the business through what he had told me. And just, I've been, I've been kicking ass, man. I love, I noticed you have. Your body of work is impressive. Yeah. I looked on the APM site and I checked yeah. you out, all your credits and everything. Yeah. To, you have your, I mean, your and, catalog is deep. And there's one like that in, on Killer Tracks now. Killer Tracks. Uh, and then... And, and diverse, too. I love the diversity. Well, you have to be because, see, that's another thing on Killer Tracks. Uh, the guy at Kill, Killer Tracks flat out told me, look, I have friends, I have everyone I know is a musician. Um, 
I don't need any composers. I don't mm -hmm. need this. Saturation, so, yeah. So I made a metal album that I thought was a phenomenal metal record. Okay. Um, and I remember I, I sent it to him, and like seven minutes later, I had an offer, which is rare. That was the first time I ever sold that slip metal album right there. Wow. Uh, and it's and like... It just says metal. Yeah. It's got a really cool picture on it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the very first one I ever sold. And I was like, wait a minute. I just got this huge chunk of change in my bank account for doing this? Because it was different. Before I was doing it without upfront and stuff. Uh, so, so he never told me to do that. So I just did it. But then when I went back to him again, I was like... I can't go back to him with, it's gotta be totally different. Went back to him, country rock, right there. Completely different album. I heard the excerpts on that too. It's yeah. killing, bro, yeah. And then after I went back, heartfelt inspiration, completely, completely acoustic, just yeah. different. So every time I went back to him, since, since Killer Tracks was so difficult, uh, I had to, you know, and I just sold the record yesterday to them, which is, rock slash EDM hybrid. So every time I go there, it's different. So, okay, so basically what you're saying is, and this is one of the questions that I always ask about your, your principles and your methods. What you're saying is you're reinventing your approach each time, especially when you're dealing with the same company. Well, yeah, or at I least mean, reinventing the project. First of all, I, I have to do what I want to do creative-wise. Yeah, like if someone said to me right now, even if the head of a huge company, well, maybe I would, but I wouldn't want to. If someone said to me, hey, will you make a hip-hop album? Right. I, 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 first of all, I'd say, I wouldn't grab that opportunity. I'd say, no, uh, it's not my thing. To, and, I, and I most likely could do it, but yeah. I just, I wouldn't enjoy myself. Right. That's why, like, if I jump into fresh new things... I'm inspired. That's right. Yeah, it's it, it's like if you know if it's the same old stuff, then I'm not inspired. And, and my stuff, not to sound arrogant, but I feel like my stuff has a little bit more integrity than a lot of people I've heard in production music. I'm not saying I'm the best by any means. I've heard people that are way better. I'm just saying the majority of stuff I hear, I don't feel like they work with the amount of integrity. You right. Know? I mean, I might spend three or four days on one queue. Uh, right, right. There's no time limit. You're setting your own parameters, your own workflow. Yeah. So you literally can do what you think needs to be done. Hundred yeah. percent. Uh, I just yeah. I made. But if uh, you think about it, that's how records were made back in the day, right? Like well, records for artists, right? Yeah. So I I do come from more of that time. You know, it's like, uh, I just, I really, really get into what I'm doing and, and spend a lot of time on it. And it's not unusual that I'll work on something for eight hours and then cut out entire spots and start over. And no one's asking me to. Sure. It's And to be honest, uh, maybe it would have done just as well before. But in my mind, I, like when I sell a record and see it go up there, like every one of those I'm proud of. Like That's I think right. everyone kicks ass. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. I mean, some of them I'm like, okay, well that was my first one. Sounds a little better now, you know. Yeah. Got some better drum sounds, got this. But but overall, I mean, it's like, yes, this is, you know, I was telling my wife the other day, 
I said, I almost feel like Jailhouse and Neve and producing bands was almost like exercises to get to where I'm at now. Wow. Like what I know now. That makes sense. Yeah, because I produced so many bands, hundreds of bands. You know, I'm not saying big bands. I'm saying I've produced bands that paid me, you know, back in the day, like five to $10,000 for like three to five songs. Sure. And I'd go and do pre-production. I'd do all that. Uh, so I was always ripping stuff apart, always kick patterns, always this. So now yeah. it, 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 it comes easy, but yeah. I have a high standard for my work. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, really well, it's a, it's an accumulative process of all that work that you've done in the past, right? Yeah. That brought you here. Yeah. And, and like you said, you flow. It flows much smoother now, right? It flows really. Got a nice it, work it's, flow. it's yeah. It's, it's really flowing really nice now, and um, I'm uh, about to venture off of metal. I've been stuck on metal for a while because metal's an interesting thing. Because, Please talk about that. Yeah, yeah. because. Well, what happened was, is for years and years, I got a little tired. Well, the reason I can play, like a lot of people say, oh man, you're an awesome guitar player. Wow, the guitar playing is really good, whatever. The only reason that happened, because when I was a little kid, I always used to try to, you know, be Eddie Van Halen or do all that stuff. Sure. That's how I sort of got chops. To be honest, I stopped doing that by like 20. Right. So it was like, my vibrato and everything and all that stuff kind of almost comes from that time. I sort of lost interest in lead guitar and just was more into songwriting and the way structures. But when my son was born, you know, obviously when he got like to be a teenager, he would bring, bring me to see bands like A Day to Remember, all these bands. And I would walk out, I'd leave. I'd say just, I'd, I'd be like, screw these guys. They got short hair. This, this is a rock star now. You know, I was like, you know, I was like that. I was, I was sort of, I couldn't, get to that side. I was like, these are rock stars? Right. I was, I was just like, no. And then what happened was I started getting into it and totally then the stuff I used to like became dated and I saw it as dated. Huh. And I, I sort of was able to almost relearn in a certain way how to play guitar because guys in Meshuggah and guys mm. in uh, Periphery, Periphery. These guys are phenomenal, phenomenal players. players. Unbelievable. So the, the technical ability has gone up over the decades, oh right? Oh my God. Isn't, Isn't it like, incredible? Oh, I, yeah. I mean, the thing that happened to me was when I would watch it, I found myself really getting interested in guitar again. Yes. It was like, yeah. I was so like, that's what spawned, okay, you doing all this metal work. Gotcha. Right. And then ah, I, then I, I did it. this, I did this one record again for Killer Tracks. Okay. It was so progressive and technical that I was afraid. I was like, I don't know if I can sell this. Right. Obviously I didn't tell them that. So what happened was I called Killer Tracks and I said, I made another metal record. And they go, well, we already bought a metal from metal record from you. We don't need another metal record. So I said, well, let me just tell you that this metal record isn't only the best metal record that I've made. It's the best metal record in production music. That's what I said. That, right? You gotta love That's that. what I said. And I, I, and I still pretty much kind of believe it. Yeah, but see, you've got to have that confidence. It took me a lot of time. I mean, I almost approached it as an actor. I went to Issues concerts. I went to Periphery concerts. I sat. I yeah. watched what these kids are doing. I picked yeah. up as much as I could. There's so much I can't. Right. Uh, because these guys, I'm, I'm, 
I'm not gonna try to put myself in the same ballpark as those guys. Right. When when I'm done working, I do everything in my life scheduled. So I work uh, on my music from about nine to ten a.m. to about six o'clock. Uh, then I go downstairs. I watch Family Guy, watch TV, whatever, from six to eight. Then from eight to midnight, I spend it with my wife. There you go. That's it. Sundays and Saturdays, I don't work. Right. So it's like, you know, I just I just would stay out there sometimes, and I put on these periphery studio updates, uh -huh. and then I'd go, oh wait a minute, you know, look what he's doing there, and look, mm -hmm. you know, they're starting to use hammer-ons in a totally different way. Different now. way. Yeah, which is incredible, really cool. You know, what's his name? Misha, the guitar uh, player. One yeah, of the guitar players. Yeah, the three guitar players. Yeah. But yeah, him, he's. Uh, it's just an interesting, it's an interesting thing now because, you know, I was watching Misha the other day and I was like, I'm basically looking at a Jewish Indian guy <laughs> that just yeah. looks like he could work at the Indian restaurant. And this guy's just he's like shredding. And that's good though. Because, yeah, it's incredible. Because it's become less about music now. That, that's what I always tell my family is music is less important in certain ways because... Uh, it's all about, you know, Instagram, and it's uh -huh. all about, you know, when I was a kid, uh -huh. I would hold Aerosmith Rocks, it would have, it wouldn't even have a picture of them on the cover. That's right. I'd sit in my room, I'd listen to Last Child back in the saddle, and I loved what I heard. Now, you, I, you know, you know if Steven Tyler, what color underwear he wears, right. with, it's, it's right. too much. Right. So that's why I like the periphery guys. I'm like, you know what, these guys are just music, music. that's it, you know. And Guthrie, guys awesome. like that, just it's back to the instrument. It know? is it's like, uh, but like but I said, sorry, they're on a steady diet of probably twelve to fourteen hours a day of just guitar and music. Like, you know, these guys have lived like true guitar disciples. Like, I have, know? I have to keep repeating that I would never put myself yeah. in the same league as a Guthrie or guys. Obviously, well, it's just okay. intensive. Same here. I but, don't have that kind of time. But the thing, <laughs> but the thing is, is. I do pick up a lot of tricks. Right. That I right. that are all over a lot of new stuff I do. Like people, you know, all these sort of the way I'm doing hammer-ons now, making them incorporating melody and you know, now I'm finding speed in my playing, which I never had before, which I could, you know, I'm finding the way they're doing things. I'm really being able to pick it up and, and look certain things. You know, and it helps. So funny you say that because I I dissect it with such an analytical eye as well. And I, I always loved shredding, but I never uh, developed my shredding skills to that right. point. You know, yeah. but I always fake shred. You know, right? Sure, <laughs> yeah. we all do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, but it is so cool, and it's so nice to talk to another guitar player yeah. who's also a producer, composer who gets it. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of cats that do get it at this level. Yeah, and, and again, I can't wait to listen to more of your projects because oh, the little bit I heard was stupid good. So oh, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, so I have a little bit of brief history. Uh, we have some 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 resume and credits. So now we know about your principles and methods. I love the fact that you adhere to a schedule. Yeah, and that you always. do make family time. That's incredible. Yeah, always. you know, uh, I think a lot of times as musicians we forget that, right? You know. Well, you know, the thing for me is. In life, people have to have self-worth. They have self-worth. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, I think that goes for everyone. Mine is this room. That's right. You know, it's like, yes, I have a great family. I have great kids. Everything's great. Um, but without this, I would feel, I mean, I don't know what I would do. 
Right. Uh, and, uh, and it's tough. I actually recently have developed tinnitus, which is uh, the, you know... Of course. So I've lost, I've lost a little hearing between five and 8,000 hertz. Wow. Um, from all my years in music. So, but you know what? It doesn't affect what I'm doing here. I, I have turned it down. Okay. Because yeah. I'm going to tell you, I mean, it was like a concert in this room for years. <laughs> I mean, because don't forget, you know, when you come from the, you know, I was born in 1967. So, you know, when I was like 12 and stuff, you know, I was at Ted Nugent concerts. Oh. And, Watching Angus. So, you know, when I was in here doing rock, I mean, my yeah. rhythm tracks, that shit was loud. Cranking it. <laughs> <laughs> that's and, awesome. You know, you know, it's like, that's the only time I would hear from my family be like, yo, you know, you're shaking the whole house. Hey, Pop, could you turn it down? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so, awesome. So I have turned it down a little bit. but That's yeah. rock and roll, man. <laughs> All right. Even the rockinest rock and roll cats in the biz still treat it like a biz. Because it is just that. If you want to have longevity in the music industry, you have to treat what you do like a professional business. Hence, the career musician. You just heard Michael Raphael talk about adhering to a schedule, branching out into different styles of music, making sure he's diverse with his studio and equipment and understands how to operate everything. These are some of the principles and methods that we use to really just make a living at the end of the day. The point is, do not be discouraged. Stick to your schedule, stick to your routine, get the work done, put in the hours every day consistently, and it's gonna happen. Listen to the Career Musician Podcast on your preferred streaming service. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. How often do you interact, uh, bring in outside session cats, or do you go to other studios to track drums ever? Or, you know, what is your process a little, shed some light there, because this, this is a beautiful studio in and of itself. It's very okay. simple. I work alone. Okay. Um, and that's the way you, and, you enjoy it. And uh, 
and Rob, my friend Rob, has asked me to do records with him, and, and, and it's not in any way, it, it's hard to explain. I mean, I don't play well with others at times. <laughs> you know, it's actually it's not. I think yeah. uh, as a creative, I can identify with that. It's funny the outside players I've used lately because I made an album, and my son's friend is a singer, and he sounds kind of like Chester Lincoln Park. Oh yeah. And I had him come in here, and he did twelve songs with me. Just sat right on that couch. Did I wrote all the songs? Uh, I would record myself singing it. Send him an MP3. He'd come in, knock it out in thirty minutes. We sold that to Sonaton. They love it. Um, wow. There's a kid down the street who shreds, just like all the guys were talking about. Just yeah. a kid. Yeah. I said, hey, man, will you throw a solo on here for me? Yeah. He's like, sure, man. Sends it back half hour. Just, it's... Insane. Stuff I can't do. It's just absolute speed. Wow. Uh, and, and I give them credits. But, yeah. but just lately, I've been bringing in just like friends, you know, I, I don't want to bring in uh, people that are too serious or going to take it. I, I don't want to be called all the time, but I do have my own label off the, you know, that I don't advertise. I mean, I advertise on Facebook. Sure. I'm running uh, Invasion from Mars. I'm co-running it with uh, Mars, which goes through APM. Okay. So I, I've just released 12 records that I didn't play on or have oh, nothing wow. to do with, but I own half the publishing. Okay. So, so it's a joint pub, a co-pub deal. Yeah, so, so I'm doing that, gotcha. but I don't put any of my music through there. Okay. Not, the only reason is, is because I've been getting up front for everything I'm doing. Sure. So I just continue to do what I'm doing. So I think, I think it's really important to highlight your episode with the fact that, number one, we've established you're a guitar player, you come from a rock band history, you, then you, you know, evolved into a rock band producer or a band producer. But keep in mind, I always loved, like, Barry Manilow, Neil Diamond. That's um, what I want to hear. Because now you have this composer side, so yeah. how did that side develop? And talk about Well, I mean, the thing is, is I've always liked... A good pop song? Uh, yeah, good, I've, always loved, I've always loved the Bee Gees, the Carpenters. Uh, I've always loved great songs. Right. And I think my acoustic records, you know, comes from, there's a lot of emotion in it. The Southern rock was, uh, I sort of had to learn, you know, so the, the Southern rock, yeah, I, I'm not that big into country, but, and that's probably my least favorite to compose is country, mm. but um, it, 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 it just keeps placing. I just mm. had so much of it, they're using it on Ford commercials, they're using it on uh, all the uh, ads for uh, News at Five, Young and the Restless, just everywhere. It's the same country stuff I did. That's beautiful. Uh, and it's like, so it, that kind of makes me say, after this next metal record I do, uh, I'm going to do a country yeah, record. Country. But I also did a trailer record for A-List. Ah. Um, which was kind of a learning curve. A-List is through Megatracks? Yeah, exactly. Um, so here's the thing, I mean, it's like, if, I look at it this way, if I have no time limit, and somebody said to me, hey, can you make a genre of music I'm not comfortable with, I just look at, you know, there's going to be 12 tracks on a, one record, so I'm going to look at it as, okay, uh, alright, I'm going to sit in here until I get this one right, mm -hmm. and I'll just teach myself how to do it. Right. You know, I mean, 
uh, I'll listen, like when I listen to EDM, you know, I listen to, okay, what kind of kicks are they doing? Mm -hmm. What kind of this are they doing? Where, where are they getting these kicks? Where is this coming from? How are they doing this? How are they pitching these vocals? So I just learned it. A lot of reverse engineering studying. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. Cause when I'm sure, you know, I don't know how long you've been doing it too, but you know, back when we go back to ADATs and back when we go back yes. to all that stuff. Yeah, I had the DA88s, the task. I mean, we were all outboard gear. Yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah, so it, in theory, you know, you know, I used to mic up, you know, you would put the Royer and the, uh, the mm -hmm. 57 up to... Up to the Royer and 57. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like... <laughs> so technically, you know, you learned, you know, you'd get a flashlight, look at the, you know, right. where exactly, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. You, you know, I learned a lot of tricks from a lot of engineers. You know, I got to watch Matt Serletic, who did uh, oh, Santana Smooth, and wow. Don't Want to Miss the Thing. I got to do an album with Don Gilmore, did Lincoln Park. Wow. So I always sat there. Always and just watched and just like what what are they doing and, and I'd pick up well, why are you doing that I wouldn't ask too many questions I would more or less just watch uh, uh, Mike Shipley who's not with us anymore mixed two of my songs and I remember walking in and it was it was so low the volume he was mixing at that I asked him I said why are you mixing at this volume and he said because I can't hear it if I turn it up. And that changed my whole perspective. You know, when you mix, do you ever turn oh, it way oh, down? Absolutely. Like, you know, how loud is that sound? That's always the test. Yeah, it's like, yeah. but I didn't know that. I was just like, okay. You know, so now I think, you know, I always since then turn way down. Oh, wait. Yeah. Tambourine's way loud. Way loud. Well, it's like the get up and walk away test, too. Yeah. Like to get up, walk away, use the restroom, grab a drink of water, come back, and then you're like, I mix the bass like that? Why would I do that? Well, yeah. my, rule, my rule with that is when, I, when I'm done with a cue, I refuse to do my mix downs right. until the next day, no, right. no matter what. That's yeah, it. even if it sounds phenomenal. Yeah. I'm just like, no. Always the next day. I love, yeah. I love this, man. This is so good. Yeah. So, so listen, for the, for the listeners who aren't as privy to the uh, production library scene, yeah. Would you shed some light on that? Because you're dropping some terminology that I understand, but you know some people may not. And and I always try to empower the writer, the musician, the composer, and teach them about their royalties. And yeah, we won't name names, but there are yeah. some companies that are taking fifty percent of writer shares. And yeah, the difference between publishing and you know no. Well, what's oh, your okay? Yeah, I can talk about. I can speak very well on this. Here's the thing. Um, first of all, it. I do believe it depends where you're at in your skill mm -hmm. and how much you've had placed. A lot of people are starting out That's right. and they want they want everything. Mm -hmm. Well, how come I'm not getting advanced? How come I'm not getting this? How, I mean, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, because I stalked this guy for like six years. That's why I'm getting up front. Right. <laughs> you know, right. so, yeah, yeah. no, but I mean, uh, two, on Facebook the other day, someone asked, is there a book I can buy to explain publishing? And I said, look, forget the book. It's very simple. <laughs> Lay down four quarters on your, That's right. on your table. That's right. Take two of them away. Keep two, give two away. It's really that simple. That's it. But That's writers and publishers yeah, right there. <laughs> exactly. So publishers, two of your quarters. Yeah. So they're going to take that. Well, why are they taking that? Because that's just the way it works. Done. Because they're put, they're distributing, they're putting out your art. That's exactly. Yeah, that's what so doing. they need to make something off it. Um, a lot of people, 
uh, don't realize how good this thing I have now is uh, through APM, the Invasion from Mars label. Because what I'm doing is I am working with people, you know, they'll send me their cues and I'll essentially I'm giving them lessons. I'm saying, mm. okay, we need to get better drum sounds, go get uh, Slate 5. Mm. You need to do this, you need to mix like this. This section needs more of this, this, you know, more salt and pepper, mm -hmm. cut this, add a sting at the end, do this. And I have all these composers now. And to be honest, I'm not gonna make that much off it uh, because, you know, I have to pay, you know, half for mastering, for, for artwork, all this stuff. But it doesn't really matter to me. I enjoy it. It's right. like how my, it's like how my dad coached baseball. I like right. it. And I have kids that I've gone to their studios around this neighborhood, set up their studios similar to you know the Apollo Twin, the computer. Yeah. I have like five of those guys. That's beautiful. And I go in, I check on them. They're all working on records, um, and it's like uh, you know, that's why you know people should just be bombarding me. Just like, because there's a chance, I've gotten people in the APM, you know how hard it is to get in the APM library? It's intensely hard to solicit <laughs> to these companies. Yeah. When you said something earlier about the bottom feeder libraries, um, a lot of bottom feeder libraries you can create a rapport with, you can get into their catalog, you won't get an advance, or your songs just won't get placed, you know? Uh, yeah. But the the upper echelon companies are really difficult to, to get in with. So right. yes, you're right. That that the fact that you have that established. But again, that speaks to all your years of experience, and your knowledge, and your expertise, and what you've built. Right. So which leads to my next question. It sounds like you're developing a pretty dope ass boot camp for composers. Well, have I, you thought about this kind of turning that into a well, an enterprise? You know, look, <laughs> if somebody like you helped me do that, yes. Yeah. But you know I mean that would be incredible. Yeah, I would need someone to help me do that. But see right. here's the thing, you know, and I definitely have people that, that would speak there and it would be beneficial. I'm not one to like go set up something like that. Right. You know, I'm well, not that's a lot of infrastructure. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Uh, but it would be helpful. Uh, and, and, I, and I enjoy doing it. I liked being at Icon right. uh, DJ school and taking questions and kids were bringing up uh, their laptops and plugging it in the system and we would go over what they had and the majority of it was good. But I would just say, you know, because I try to not come across like I, I you know, like I'm better than anyone. Right. I try to just come across as this is what I would do. Um, and I'll just tell them what I would do. Right. And then, you know, to try to help that way. And that's changed because I used to be sort of a prick and I would just say, what is this pile of garbage? And, you know, you need to do this. But I have changed now that I'm older. So, okay. So listen, I want to talk about this. You mentioned that you help some young composers get set up with their gear. I'm an Apollo twin guy. Love it. Swear by it. Great. Had it since they came out. That's yeah. all I use. I have a patch base so I can do multiple ends nice. quickly, you know, nice. so I don't have to read whatever. Yeah. Um, speak on the gear because... Let's talk about the fact that there's a lot of dinosaur dinosaur studios in LA, right? That have all the top of the line gear from back in the day, the vintage shit, the good stuff. And a lot of it's not being used. So a lot of the production library composers or even companies are now going and taking those studios and using them to create their material, right? Right. How does somebody stand up to that? So in other words, you have composer A who's working at an old vintage studio with all the premium gear, 
Composer B, who's working on an Apollo and maybe Logic or Ableton or even Pro Tools with one preamp. You know, what's your take on that? I know what my stance is, but well, I want to hear it from first, you. First of all, I'm going to try to answer this as fast as I can. Okay, so here's the thing. My old band, Jailhouse, uh, the, the bassist, Matt, Matt Thorne, was the bass player. He's, he's an exceptional producer. Okay. Uh, he... Uh, produced bands like The Eels and, and worked with Trapped. And, mm. and he's done a lot of stuff and he's taught me a lot. Um, where we bump heads and actually laugh and break each other's balls, how you mm -hmm. would say, you yeah. know, is he is very much a vintage guy. Okay. Uh, and, and he, you know, you walk in a studio and he has tons of gear. Mm. Tons, you know, all the great 1176 compressors, just, yeah. you know, APIs, everything yeah. he needs. Yeah. He just did an album for me, um, and I could tell it was. Uh, it took, you know, he did it in his spare time, but he, I could tell when he got to plugins, he almost wasn't as like when he when he programmed stuff. It almost seemed like he wasn't as comfortable as as he was in the vintage world. Uh, that's not knocking anything he'd done, but I'm just I feel like people adapt. To what they're used to. Uh, mm. Having said that, you definitely don't need a vintage. Uh, uh, you really don't need much more than than a twin, uh, a Kemper amp, and mm. Logic, and just what's in your brain. Okay, that's the affirmation I was hoping for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's yeah, in yeah. your brain? Because I agree. Yeah, because you know I could hook this studio up for anyone, and they're not going to do anything. Uh, it's it's got to be what's yeah. in your brain. Um, but, so you definitely don't need the big stuff, but then again, let's not lie. I mean, our stuff sounds really good, but it doesn't sound as good. You know, I know everybody, I know everybody hates the word Nickelback, but what I'm gonna say oh, about, what I'm gonna say about- Incredible like, Productions. They're the best sounding rock albums to this day I've ever heard. My wife and I were just talking about that this morning. Yeah, That's funny you brought them up. the best sounding albums. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, they, so you're talking about production. Yeah. So so here's the thing. Wow. Let's, yes. So let's let's. Talk. So how do you okay? How do you justify this and live with that truth and find that happy meaning? Well, because here's the thing. I my stuff. I'm very happy with the way it sounds, um, and it's taken years to get to a place that I felt that way. Where it's like, wow, you know what? And that came from getting the proper bass, the proper guitars. Uh, the proper patches through the camper, the way I play, right. everything. Um, but you know, let's let's <laughs> you know a Nickelback record or or a Seal record or you know Trevor Horn. You know, those are things that are you know. If I sit down and listen to, uh, uh, and it angers me sometimes because I'll sit down and listen to uh, Seal has a song called Daylight Savings. And if anybody's listening to this, please listen to that song, not the live version, the studio recording. It's the best production. It's just flawless. And Nicki Minaj is selling a zillion more records. So that's the whole thing. Right. You know, it's like, right. you know, that's the whole thing. You know, it really doesn't, I hate to say it. Uh, it's like Gene Simmons said with rock that it's finally over. I hate to say that production in some sense isn't as important as people think it is. 
Like, if you get something that sounds pro and tight and, and it, it fits a scene, mm -hmm. uh, then great. Right. They're going to use it. And, you know, but... That's right. You know, it's like if you recorded it in Logic and got it to sound as good as you can get it to sound, or if you went to Energy Studios and did the same thing with live musicians, mm -hmm. they may pick the other one. Mm. So... Right. There's just no saying, you know. Okay. It, it, it's like yeah. uh, sometimes, to be honest, uh, I had a thing on the World Cup, and I was in shock they used it because it was really old, uh -huh. and it was like I just was messing around with like Logic instruments one day, and I'm gonna be honest, it's cheesy, <laughs> and I was like, that's on the World Cup out of everything they could have picked, they, you know, but because appeal to them. Yeah, I mean, because the average person, uh, you know, they, they're like, yeah, this is great. You know, and then, you know, we could put on, we could put on the first Aerosmith album and the new Nickelback album. And some people go, I don't know why, why, what makes this sound better to you? Like people, a lot of people just don't get it. Well, yeah, because it's not that area, their, their area of expertise and they, their ears aren't developed. Let's face it, we've right. spent our lives developing our ears. Right. And what you're saying is we're creating music for the masses who have undeveloped ears. Right, I mean, I, <laughs> for the most part, I try to make myself sound as well as I can get it to sound. And I right. think it sounds, sometimes when, uh, like I heard the mastered version of this Sonaton record I did, and yes, it sounds better than a lot of records out today done in big studios, mm. but it doesn't sound as good as a Nickelback record. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't say, it doesn't even, it's, it's a pile of crap compared to that. I'm so but glad you said <laughs> this because sometimes I go through this constant inter internal battle of beating myself up because uh, I'll feel like, wow, I, I really feel good about this piece. It sounds amazing and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then you come back a few days later or a week later or a month later, a year later, and then you say, oh yeah, but it doesn't sound as good as I thought it did. Yeah. And you're using this, because the barometers we're using are very high, right? Yeah. So in which to measure. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's crazy. But it's a process. Yeah. So thank you for sharing your process but you with know us. What? But, you know, keep in mind, like when I did the acoustic record and all that stuff, I would make sure that Taylor right there mm -hmm. had brand new strings on right. it that I played through a day or two. Right. Uh, I would make sure, you know, it, you know, has the proper mics, has go through my knees, go, you know, I, I, I do make sure it sounds as best as I humanly can make it sound That's right. in this room. I mean, this room is my, my lair. Right. You know, so. And so you know how this sounds. Yeah. 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 I mean, I have uh, a friend of mine worked on that show, uh, Entourage. Oh, yeah. He was the guy who put all the music in every episode. Oh, my he gosh. edited it in there. Love that show. Good friend of mine. Comes in this room all the time, and, and it, it drives him crazy. He's like, how are you working in here? It's like, there's no sound. It's like, because I just, in a way, I think it would throw me off if, if at this point, if I corrected it. Right. You know, it's like, sure. it's, I know exactly how, you know, and I do a headphone, you know, the next day. Right. Lower now. Lower but, but yeah. And, you know, so. Do you do the, um. Computer speakers or iPhone test or the car test. Do you do any of those tests? Uh, I've, I'm happy to say I've graduated from the car test, but the car test did go on for 20 years. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but the car test is not necessary now. Um, it's different now, right? Different and not only, you know, the car test may be uh, 
still around, but nobody listens to stuff. Everyone listens to stuff, you know, like this or, phone, you know, or on their computer. And it's just like little cheap earbuds. Yeah, yeah it's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I, when I put it on the car now, it sounds exactly how it does in here. Right. Which right. that took forever. Right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's a tricky game right there. Yeah, so that, yeah, now it sounds exactly the same. All right, so what did Michael do? He found a niche composing music from music libraries. What do the music libraries do for him? Well, they take a lot of the legwork out of the equation for the musician, especially for us who just want to sit in our studio and compose all day. I'm not saying it's easy. We do have to build the relationships. We do have to understand how to communicate with these companies, but they go out and find the sync licensing opportunities for us. Once your music is in their catalog, in their library, then they get placements. You make money. This is how it works. And you heard him. He said, man, I should have people banging down my door, other composers asking me, hey, will you listen to this? Will you help me get into this library? Will you help me submit here and there? He's going to share his email later at the end of this episode, so go for it. Make your voice heard. Leave a review and subscribe at the Career Musician Podcast. So you mentioned, first of all, I love that show, Entourage, one of my favorites, but I love that. great. You mentioned the editor from there. Let's talk about that. Working with editors is, I, I truly believe it's a fine art within itself because... What I've discovered is you have editors who are knowledgeable about music and those who aren't, and they each deal with us, the composers, in different ways, right? Right. One of the biggest trends that has hit our industry, the production library music, or even just composing in general, is the STEM mixes, right? And now everything has to have, has to be accompanied by volumes of STEM mixes. But that's not an issue because it's like... Well, that's what I want to ask yeah. you. I want to pick well, your brain. Well, because when I... It's very simple. Here's how I do it. And a lot of people don't like me to say how I do it because they say I'm giving away too much shit, but I don't care. Oh, because you feel comfortable, yeah. Oh, I'll give away everything. Yeah, I don't care. Here's, here's it's different in everybody's hands. Look, here's how I do it, and this is how I hand it in to everyone. Okay. Period. Okay. Any production music company gets the same thing from me. Basically, I do a full mix and logic. Mm-hmm. Then I do without uh, lead guitars, without, uh, you know, clean guitars, then I do an underscore, which is the most basic, just drums, the rhythm guitars, uh, a bass. Then, and right then, I do my stems. Okay. Right then I do drums, bass, do all my crossfades, make sure there's no clicks and pops, uh, all that stuff. Then I reopen a new session, Pull in my full mix, I'll do a 30 second, a 15, and then I'll do a sting. See, this, people don't realize how important stings are. Uh, every single thing I do now has a sting. That's right. You know, because, uh, and for people that aren't, people listening that don't know what a sting is, a sting is at the end where it goes like, where it builds like, da 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 Like, so that's a sting. So. That's something, stings, people could just use a sting and put it before a commercial on E! Entertainment tonight. There you go. You know, so it's like you're offering that extra thing. So uh, that's how I do it. And so then I go into my next song. So by the time I go into my next song, all my cut downs and stems are already done for the first one in a folder. Nice. And then I go to 12 and then... Okay, so you do all of your editing for each song before you move on to a new song. 
Always. Excellent. That's smart because it's fresh in your brain. You know where all the little spots are, right? Always. Yeah. You can cut it up nice and quickly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's yeah. always do it that way. I don't like hearing composer friends of mine saying, oh my God, I got so many cut downs to do tonight and I got to do stems, I got to do this. It's like, I, why? It's why like, did she get that stuff done before? It's like putting off studying for a test. Yeah, right? it's yeah. like, why? Yeah. I don't I don't, I can't even comprehend with that. If right, you're right. done with the cue, do the cut downs, do the stems, Move on. put it in a folder, then start your next one. Amen. Oh, and I always put the tempo next to the title just so, just so when I, when I do uh, my metadata and stuff, you yes. know, I know that and, you know. I got in the habit of putting the tempo and the key signature. Yeah, just that I should do the key too, You actually. know? Yeah. A capital A with a small M, A minor. Oh, yeah. I don't have to guess. Yeah. I don't know. It just, yeah. it makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, and that's, that's pretty much that. Let's talk about this real quick. A young, aspiring composer. I know now DJ, producer, beat maker, composer, all those terms are somewhat synonymous. Yeah. There's somebody like that who wants to get in the game, who wants to make music for content, right? Right. What's your advice to them? Well, for, start? For, for one, well, they start by just starting. That, that's that's, making that's material, how you right? start. Right, right. But the bad thing is for them, and the good thing for us, <laughs> Is you know a lot of a lot of these DJs look at us as old farts, right? Mm. But see, we have something they don't have. We could actually play instruments. That's right. So it's like, having said that, I know that a lot of people listening or or, or, or may think, well, that's obsolete. You know, who cares? But here's the thing: there's so many people doing electronic music now that nobody, uh, no, and I mean pretty much nobody, gets up front for electronic music ever. Mm. They will get in the library, but see, here's the thing. So many people are using the same sounds and the same things that a lot of this EDM and dubstep, or the dubstep's gone, but EDM and all that stuff, a lot of it is so similar that you need to find someone. I found a composer, uh, his name's Miro, he's, he's in Germany. The guy, when you hear his stuff, it's very clear that he's in a different game than say an 18 year old in his bedroom you know so having said that if you're really serious about it you just keep doing it and get it the best you can okay let's say you developed your catalog you have a nice little catalog you've really honed your skills and everybody you show it to say wow it's great but you don't live in la or new york or nashville and you dude, really want to get your material. I got what do you do how do you solicit dude i got a guy in uh where the hell does he live missouri okay he great example so here's this guy in Missouri that works at a school who saw my ad on LinkedIn that I was looking for stuff for my library music. Ah, and I and I kicked his ass for a while. Okay. He did three or four records and he finally got a record in. Now he's got a record coming out April 12th on APM Music. So it's like... So he just took the initiative, he sent it in, he yeah. listened to your critiques. Yes. And, but, you know, and, you know, I deal with so many people now on that. And sometimes it's it's uh, it's overwhelming, but I like doing it because I like I like the fact that that guy's not in L.A. I like the fact that that's not some freaking dude driving a poser car and you know doing all this stuff. Wearing four hundred dollars shoes. Yeah, try, you know what? I would yeah. rather have it be you know someone who's really hungry. It's like you know what? I, yes. Yeah, because I've met these guys out in L.A. and I don't like half of them. And I tell you know the thing is is I. I, I'm known as 
between Larry David and Simon Cowell. I'm, I get myself, I say exactly what I think, and there's just... And it's honesty. Well, yeah, I mean, it's and like... that's where growth comes from. Yeah, and it's like, I just don't like people that are overly supportive, because I, you know, and I tell my son that. He's like, oh, my friends think my new thing is so great. I'm not saying it is or isn't. I'm just saying, well, you know, if they think everything's great, you're never going to grow. Now the new thing is GOAT, greatest of all time. Well, if everything is, everybody's the greatest of all time, right, how, well, how, really? How yeah. do we differentiate, you know, like... Yeah, but see, here's the thing, I mean, and here's what I've done. I'm not the greatest of all time, but I found a niche. See? You gotta find your niche, that what you're good at. Because these are the, the stuff I'm doing, uh, I try to do stuff that I don't hear a lot of people doing. Right. And then some composers, like my friends, mm -hmm. sometimes say, well, dude, that, that's pretty out there for, for, for library music. Mm -hmm. And then I think to myself, well, it wasn't too out there for Killer Tracks. They bought it. So, I mean, they're dealing with the biggest composers ever. So it's like, you know. How, how did you find this little perfect little bubble that you are, are living in? It's, it seems like a really great career spot. Because let me tell you why, man. Because I drove, I'm the kind of guy to get in my car and drive to Vegas to, to meet a certain person from Germany, shake his hand and then drive home. I'm, right. I, I'm, you know, I, right. I, I, you know, I've made friends with people at Megatrack. The, 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 the way I talk to them, people, people would laugh. It's like we're like busting each other's balls. Right, like, right. Will you do this edit? No, I'm not doing it. Have someone else do it. It's like that. You know, it's like, it's like we know each other now. It's like, I love it. you know, and they know whatever I turn in. They know I'm not going to turn in crap because I don't want my name on anything that I don't think is great. Uh, which know? leads me to a yeah. great question for our wrap up. Yeah. You've laid down a lot of pearls of wisdom already. Thanks, man. But what you just said, your name is on it. Yeah. What's your final word of wisdom? Look, I don't care if they're young, old, indifferent, live here, I think live it, there. I, th I think it's, it's this. It's like... Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. You know, if you have that thing inside you that I had, I mean, I was the guy in fifth grade... Uh, with no friends that would sit in the library and look at his KISS cover, KISS albums. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I knew this, there was no doubt I'm doing music in some way. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I thought I'd be a rock star, but I made this happen instead. Mm -hmm. So it's like, but you just keep going. Uh, you just keep going and going and don't, I think don't be greedy because I, I think it's not the more you have, it is the more you have in there, but it's not, it has to be quality over quantity. Right. Anything you do has to be, dude, this is as good as anything out there. Uh, right. But I hope the people 
saying that just aren't arrogant and fooling themselves. Mm-hmm. Like some people we said in American Idol and stuff. Sure, sure. You know, you gotta be like, if you have the knowledge, you know, and, and, and the determination, there's, of course you can do it. I mean, these companies are looking for composers. So it's just a matter of what you're doing, you know, and, you know. I love that. And you don't feel that the market is oversaturated or when it comes to this? I don't know how saturated or unsaturated it is because I don't, I'm in a bubble. You concern yourself with your work. You know, this is going to sound arrogant, but on my phone is every album playlist and I listen to them all the time. I go on a hike, I listen to my own shit constantly. Records I've sold a year ago, I listen to right. I love the stuff. I'm right. still to this day love listening to it. You know? That's awesome. That's refreshing <laughs> to hear an artist say that. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, because I remember a, a buddy of ours, I'm going to say his name, Eddie Wool. Yeah. I'm going to say, he said to me one time at, at, at PMC, he goes, it's not like you're going to drive around your car and listen to it. And I was thinking to myself, I don't think I said anything. But I'm like, geez, that's pretty much all I do. I think I am doing that. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Wow. That's big. And that's cool. Any memorable moments uh, throughout your career that you would say, I mean, I'm sure you've had many, but any one that stands Keep keep in mind, I mean, you know, I opened up for Kiss in 2000 with all original members. I mean, it's like, okay, come on. Well, then there you go. Do I need to even say anything? Yeah, do I need to say anything more than that? I mean, for me. What was that day like? Let me tell you the, the thing you're looking to hear right now. This is it. I'm back, I'm, I'm backstage. I walk out with my guitar. We're about to go on stage. First time in an arena. I'm kind of getting chills telling you the story. Mm-hmm. First time in an arena. First time with Kiss. Mm-hmm. The, there's a guy next to me. looks at me. He's st- you know, a guy who works there every day. Sure. Uh, he says, hey, so you ready? I said, yeah. And he, he starts walking towards the light switch. And I go, wait. Is that the light switch? That, out there? And he goes, yeah. And I go, you have no idea how long I've been waiting for this. Go. He hits the switch, lights go out. I just hear a roar. I walked on that stage, gave it everything I had. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Talking about surreal. Yeah, and that was like, and then after I got off stage, Gene's sitting there in full makeup and talking to me, and it was just like. Really? It was like. I, I, in a way, I think if that didn't happen, I, I still be may chasing it a little bit. But there was just so much closure to. I never thought. I mean, that was just ridiculous, you know. So wow. that 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 was my my best memory in music was that light switch. That's incredible, <laughs> man. Thank you so much yeah, for having me, for man. sure. The career musician. Thanks, Michael Raphael. Where can everybody find you? Well, I'm online. On, uh, well, I mean, you know, I have my Facebook, which yep. is. Michael Raphael. I mean, I'm not a huge social media guy. I do answer to everybody. Um, I'm happy to give out uh, my email, if any composers, which is just mrafael, R-A-P, as in Paul, H-A-E-L, 68 at gmail.com. Or uh, just Google Michael Raphael, you'll find me. Um, I I listen to everyone's stuff, and and I I try to to help the best I can. Last thing, somebody just sent me something the other day and the vocal sounded awful. The sound, and I replied to him, uh, hey man, this sounds great, you, you sing great, your voice is great, but the quality of the recording isn't quite there. 
And he replied, well, I'll have you know that the quality of recording is very professional. Thank you. Those are the kind of people I don't want to deal with. Right. Because yeah, it's like if people, if people really want my help, if people want help, reach out to me. But if you think that you already know all the answers, please don't contact me. I love it. No, I love it. And the fact that you're a real down-to-earth person, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Man. And others should as well. Uh, the fact that you're opening up, saying, hey, send your stuff. I'll listen to it. That's incredible. Yeah, try to help. Yeah, yeah. For sure. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Cool. Good hang, man. Yes, it was a great hang, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. And we really enjoyed you here on the Career Musician Podcast. We love the insight. We appreciate the words of wisdom. All of my fellow composers out there, especially the up-and-coming aspiring ones, you need to take heed to what Michael is saying. So check out everything that he's doing. Reach out. Don't be afraid to ask questions and send in some music. You never know. All right, that concludes another episode of the Career Musician Podcast. By yours truly, Nomad. Do me a favor, subscribe, leave a review. Put me in your playlist. Come on, get it out there, share it. Thank you for tuning in to The Career Musician. Click the subscribe button and share The Career Musician podcast on your social media feeds. I'm just a nomad, nowhere man. Writing the songs in this one-man band. I know It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.